Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hey guys, welcome to the Shepherd's Crook. I hope you're having a great day and great start of your week today. We're going to be talking about forced diversity. And specifically, I want to call churches and pastors to stop pursuing diversity. I'll explain here in just a second, but let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. I ask for your blessing upon this conversation. I don't mean to be inflammatory, but I do mean to be biblical. And I want to challenge those that have seen as the status quo a necessity to pursue multi-ethnic church and have felt guilty for not doing so. God, I pray that you would bring all peoples, all types of peoples, to the hearing and the proclamation of your word to be changed and transformed. Thank you, Jesus, for your atonement for all peoples and all generations. And God, we trust as we do your work faithfully that you'll bring who you want to bring into our assemblies. We trust you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Right, before we talk about multi-ethnic diversity and pursuing that intentionally, or why you shouldn't pursue that intentionally, I want to just to make a quick announcement about the Shepherd's Crook, uh, about what's going on behind the scenes. I jumped off Twitter after being on for a month and a half. I did that intentionally. And in some ways, I'm going dark on social media because for me, over the long haul, I've seen that the best way that, that I can be as healthy as I can possibly be and pastor the people in our local church the best I possibly can and be the best husband and father I possibly can, I need to disconnect a little bit from everything that's going on out there. I don't need my attention or the best of my, my critical thinking to be going on about the big C church, whatever problems may or may not be going on there. I want to be able to think and pursue local ministry the best I possibly can and to love my family well. So I've already been off Twitter and I'm actually jumping off Instagram as well. I am keeping the Shepherd's Crook Instagram but I'm just trusting over time that the ministry will continue as I continue to produce content. I want to continue to put this out here, going to continue to do this and expand this, that it's going to be helpful. And one of the ways that I want to do this is put a newsletter in your hand. I've talked a lot about the danger of too many subscription services because it's normalizing access without ownership. Well, I want to give you some ownership of this content, whether you're going to appreciate it or not. Hopefully you will. Here's the idea is starting in July, I'm going to be giving out a newsletter and for $5 a month, you can be a member of the Shepherd's Crook. And for that $5 a month membership, what you can get is a weekly or excuse me, a monthly newsletter that will show about your house, an actual physical copy newsletter. This is going to go out in July for the very first time. You'll also get access then to, and you'll be able to download this and have this for yourself if you, if you so choose. You'll have access to the Rites of Passage series that's under development right now. We've got the first two episodes up. There's going to be seven total. And you're going to get access to previous cohorts that I've done. I've done cohorts with Michael Foster, Tom Askell, Eric Kahn, Brian Silvey, talking about a pastor being courageous and doing what God has called you to do in the public sphere and uh, at the local church level. And how can you encourage your people to live as God would have you live and have them live in what we're facing today. So you'll have access to all of that. And then at the end of the year, what I'll send you is a thumb drive of all the content for the year. So all the articles and all the media content, both video and audio on a thumb drive. So I want, I want to give you 
ownership, not just the access side. So that, that's what you get with the $5 a month subscription. There's going to be other tiers and that sort of thing, but if you want to support the work, please consider it. And that newsletter, like I said, will be going out in July. Now, I'm hoping over time, as we actually have hard and physical copies of this material, that this will help and it will grow and it will encourage people. And then as my sons get older, and by the way, announcement, if you haven't heard yet, we're having another baby boy. Very excited about our third son. So we have three sons and our little daughter just so excited about God's blessing upon our life. And so Oak will be coming in November. So middle of November, right during the rut, but that's all right. Uh, children are, are a blessing and I'm very excited about, about him. But as this develops over time, the Sparksman podcast will develop. And this is just going to be something as as Providence ends up join, joining Jordan for the Fruitful and Fearless podcast one day. This is going to be ongoing. So you will not just get access, you will get ownership to some of that content and if it, you know, the internet, you know, all of a sudden breaks or something like that, you can still get access. And for instance, if everything goes down, I'll keep creating content. I'll know my subscriber base and I'll be able to send you that kind of media. So I'm really just trying to be a little bit proactive on the material side to get you ownership of good, hopefully quality, biblical and encouraging things. That's what I'm trying to do here. Okay, let's turn the corner. Let's talk about forced diversity or multi-ethnic churches and churches pursuing the multi-ethnic side of things. Now, this has been popular for, I don't know now, a, a good long while. If you just go to Acts 29's website, the first thing they say is Acts 29 is a diverse global community of healthy, multiplying churches characterized by theological clarity, cultural engagement, and missional innovation. You know, Unless you've had your head buried in the sand over the last 20 years, you and your church, you guys have always said, our church wants to reflect the makeup of our community. This is something that I said when we started our church. I said over time, over 10 years or so, I would like our church to reflect the diversity of our city. So we, we live in a very, even though it's a smaller community, it really is a global community because of our school. We have a, a, a research facility, a research institute, the Southern Illinois University university that's in our school. And so at this research facility, there's people from all over the world. We have really good food from all over the world in this little town. We have 25,000 people and then we have another 10 to 12,000 students. And the, the idea was over 10 years, maybe our church will reflect that the diversity. That This is what I wanted because this is what was given to me about church planting is you, you've got to be a diverse church. I mean, after all, Revelation chapter five, if you just read it, it says, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God for every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And so the idea is we want to pursue being multi-ethnic, meaning we've got to get representation on the stage. we got to get a black dude. we got to get an Asian dude. we got to get our leadership team to be really diverse. And then even when it comes to musical styles, we can have different musical styles, maybe even different services that we promote trying to reach out to the Hispanic community. We can do a Hispanic service or something like that because we want to be in a multi-ethnic church. And I remember going to Sojourn retreats early on when we were a part of the Sojourn Network. And this is just the theme of everybody. We're going to go plant a multi-ethnic church. This is what we want to do. And it's been everywhere in every denomination, in every church planting network. And the big idea, the big question is that, well, we just want to represent the people that Jesus died for in our local community. And the trouble is for many churches, it's like nobody gets upset at black churches for being predominantly black, but almost everybody gets upset with white white churches for being predominantly white. And that's the weird oddity of it all. But here's the big question. Is that biblical? Honestly, is that a biblical mandate to pursue intentional multi-ethnic churches or assemblies? And if you even look at Revelation chapter 5, it's not a command 
about each assembly and the makeup of each assembly. It's a declaration of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Many people have tried to argue affirmative action. In fact, at one sojourn conference, they were trying to argue affirmative action from the account in Acts chapter 6 about the Hellenistic Jews being neglected and then who they selected as deacons. And yet, in 1 Timothy chapter chapter 3, when the deacon requirements or qualifications are listed, it has nothing to do with ethnicity at all. It has nothing to do with representation within the church. Nothing to do with that. In Revelation chapter 5, this is not a command for every single local church. It's a declaration about what Christ has done. He is worthy to open the seals because by his blood he purchased a people from God from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Only in our country over the last 20 years have we made this a really weird emphasis that we have to pursue this if we're not going to be a racist church or something like that. What's the counter? Okay, what am, what am I saying? Is that we should all be just white churches? We should all be just black churches? We should all be just Mexican churches? Not at all, not at all actually. The whole point is uh, two big things. Number one, proclaim the atonement of Jesus Christ. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God will bring who he brings. That's different than pursuing in a really weird way. When white dudes try to pursue, we're going to do a, a black dude service. Or we're going to do a, a Mexican service. It's really weird. Or when black dudes, you know, which is way less emphasized, are like, man, we got to get a token white guy in here to do announcements. Okay, that It's all just really weird and awkward because it's forced. But if you, as a black dude, black preacher, will proclaim the gospel fiercely, faithfully, and not be some kind of Marxist. So many black dudes have been co-opted by this Black Lives Matter stuff. But if you're a faithful black dude out there proclaiming the gospel, preach the gospel and then watch what God does. And if he brings some white people, if he brings some Mexican people, praise God. If not, it's not the end of the world. Same thing. As a white dude, I'm going to preach the gospel faithfully the best I can through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to watch God work. Who's he going to bring? He's going to bring people from the north, south, east, to west. People that are interested to hear the word of God without apology, God brings them in. He has a way of doing this. Now, I'm not as concerned at all anymore with Christchurch Carbondale reflecting the ethnic makeup of the city of Carbondale. I could care less. What I do care about is preaching the gospel faithfully and trusting that God's going to bring who he's going to bring. We're not going to do, we're, we're not going to worry about, is our music appealing to, who's it music appealing to? I'm not concerned about that. We want to have faithful congregational music that's theologically solid and that's rooted in historic liturgies that is faithful to point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to have singable songs so that in 50 years from now, 100 years from now, if we were just to be able to get a time warp machine and pick ourselves up and put us 50 years from now or 100 years from now in Christchurch Carbondale, by the grace of God, we would fit right in. We may have to learn some of the songs, but stylistically, these are congregational songs. This, the, the, the focus still is not what's happening on stage. This isn't a performance. This isn't a rock show. We'll be able to move right there, and we would be able to be, and they could come 50 years in the past if they got in the time machine and just worship with us just like we could if we were worshiping with them. When it comes to the color of skin, who cares? So, number one, preach the gospel faithfully. God is going to bring who he's going to bring. That's a whole lot better way, and that's biblical, as opposed to we're going to pursue ethnic diversity. What about qualifications, this other piece? Well, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6. Oh, my gosh, affirmative action. Like I said, I saw, like, uh, Timothy, uh, I forget, Paul Jones or something like that, who is a southern prof, literally tried to preach affirmative action from Acts chapter 6. It was really comical. The qualification for deacons are in 1 Timothy chapter 3, right after the qualifications for overseers or elders, pastors, bishops, presbyters. And what it says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith without clear, with a clear conscience and let them be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. 
Let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Notice there is no qualification about the color of skin, about an ethnic background, nothing about cultural backgrounds, anything. Is the man qualified or is he not qualified? That's the question. Same thing with elders. Is the man qualified as an elder or is he not qualified as an elder? When you have your church and you're looking at, looking at who God is raising up, the question isn't what is the color of skin, what is the cultural background, or anything like that. That is not a biblical category for qualification. When Chandler gets up and preaches years ago, I'll take the, the black uh, six over the white seven. He is doing a disservice to his congregation, but also he's being unfaithful to the word of God when it comes to that particular thing. I would say, hopefully, he has learned from that because that's not a qualification. That's adding, uh, teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. That's adding to the scriptures what's not there, adding a qualification. Well, for us, we need all these qualifications to be there and we need a black dude. Okay, that's not faithful to the scriptures at all or in any way. If God raises up, and like within our elder team, we have Lido, who is from the Philippines. We have So we have an ethnically diverse group, all right, an age-diverse group, but not because we're pursuing, hey, we need a non-white guy on our elder team. <laughs> not at all. We have qualified men. That's what we're looking for. And within the congregation, the people whom God brings, who's qualified and who's not. The, the qualifications are clear in the scriptures. That's what we're to pursue. And then let God sort all that out. And if you're predominantly white and in a predominantly not white area, you're always going to be predominantly white. That's not a problem. That's not a bad thing. If you're in a predominantly black area, you're going to be predominantly black. You don't have to go out and look for a token white dude. <laughs> you just don't have to do that. We've got to be able to talk about these things without blushing, for goodness sake. Anyways, hope this has been helpful. Please consider, I, I say it every time, but please pause. Oh, the way you sign up for the membership. By the way, if you've listened this far, please pause and just do a few things for me. Thank you for leaving ratings and reviews recently. That really helps. And I can already tell, as some of them have been rolling in, it seems like the, those algorithms or recommendations, I don't know how it, exactly it works, but it does help in uh, actually spreading the content and getting more listeners. The, the views and listens and all that have gone up over the last couple months. So thank you. So please leave a rating and review. If you want to be a member, well, then reach out to me. You can reach out to me over the Shepherd's Crook Instagram, and you can also reach out to me just emailing me um, at theshepherdcrook at gmail.com. Or you could just DM me, get, get with me on Gab. If you're watching on Gab TV, just DM me, message, uh, message me. And then in July, we're going to launch that membership on the website. Uh, but you can go ahead and get on the list so I know that you're going to be getting that. And so when I type up that newsletter and I go to send it out, it will come right to your address. You'll get it in the mail. I mean, a good old-fashioned newsletter. I'm pretty excited about this. If it's interesting to you and you think it may be interesting to your friends that may be listeners as well, spread the word. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.